Good morning, everyone. So glad that you're able to be with us today. If you have your Bibles, turn them to John chapter 11. And in just a moment, we're going to read a few verses about a story that took place with Jesus and some people that he loved. It's become sort of a habit in our home recently and possibly in your home that on a daily basis, we get an update from our governor and director of public health. They have been doing a great job not only keeping us updated, but also keeping us informed on how we can best help each other in this moment of crisis. And what's difficult about these updates that we're getting is that they center around the gravity of the situation we're facing. And so often, the news that we're getting right now revolves around people who are endangered or people who are losing their lives. Death is heavy and difficult. It's not something we like to talk about. It's scary and it's frustrating. And in John chapter 11, there's a story where Jesus encounters death of a loved one. And the way that he approaches it can be powerful for us. So the story begins in John chapter 11, where Jesus gets word that one of the people that he loves, a man named Lazarus, is going to die. Now Jesus has an idea, a plan. He wants to let everyone around him see the greatness and the glory of his God and Father. And so he decides to wait a couple days. And then he arrives where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live. And it's at this point he finds out that Lazarus has died and the family is devastated. The moment Martha hears that Jesus is arriving, she leaves the house and she runs out to meet him outside of the town. And the moment she arrives, she says to Jesus, if you were here, you could have kept him alive. Jesus, understanding what she's going through, engages her. He teaches her and he reassures her. It's in that dialogue that we get that famous quote from Jesus in verse 25 when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you'll never taste death. And Martha tells Jesus, yes, I believe this, and she's comforted by it, although she might not fully understand all of what Jesus means, but the teacher has reassured her and comforted her. And so she goes back to the house to tell Mary, who also is grieving her brother's death. And she says, Mary, you need to come out and see Jesus. And Mary takes off to go see Jesus. And those that were in the house, the friends who were there, also mourning the death of Lazarus, went out with Mary. And there Mary approaches Jesus and she says the same thing that Martha says. Jesus, if you were just here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But Jesus does something different. And here's where I want to pick up the story with you in verse 33. For when Mary says to Jesus, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died, we begin to see Jesus glance around at all the people around him. And we watch him go through the experience of facing death and see how he handles it. Start with me in verse 33. It says this. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? 
They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. Do you see the range of experience that Jesus went through? Let's follow with the Apostle John as he takes us through the experience that Jesus had here in the face of death. John starts by telling us that Jesus was deeply moved. This is a really difficult word for the translators to get into English for us to understand what John is trying to say. This word deeply moved actually is the word that you would have used if you were describing an animal that was snorting with anger. So picture in your mind a bull that is really angry and ready to fight. That's what Jesus was experiencing first in this moment. He was furious, he was angry, and he felt ready to fight. But then it says that Jesus was deeply distressed. He was upset. His insides were shaken a little bit because of what was happening. And then John moves us to the phrase where it says, Jesus wept. This doesn't mean that Jesus was screaming and wailing and crying loudly to make a scene in front of people. No, when he said Jesus wept, he used the word that meant quietly, shedding tears. Jesus went from anger to distress, all the way down to just a broken heart where he's weeping over the death of Lazarus. But then do you notice in verse 38, once Jesus goes from anger to distress to weeping, it says that he comes back to being deeply moved again. He's furious and he's angry. This leads us to a couple questions. You might have more, but I've got two. One, why was Jesus crying? Didn't he know how the story was going to end? Of course he did. He knew exactly where this story was going. He knew that he was going to call into the grave and bring Lazarus back to life. So why was he crying? Well, as he looked around and saw Mary and her friends, and he looked at the tomb and he thought about his friend Lazarus, death hurt Jesus just like it hurts all of us. He was fully human and he was experiencing this moment of pain. But another question might be this, why was Jesus furious? Why was he angry? What was he mad about? Was he mad at the sisters for trying to make him feel guilty? If you were here, he wouldn't have died. Is he mad about the Jews who are questioning him, saying, didn't this guy open the eyes of the blind man? Couldn't he have saved him? Is he mad that people are doubting his abilities? I don't think that's the case. Jesus was furious, not at the people that he was around. He was furious. He was angry at sin and death. Sin causes death, and death causes separation. And life was never supposed to have those things in it. And here our Savior comes face to face with the effect of sin and the effect of death, he is raging in anger. He is ready to fight. And that's why he screams out to Lazarus in the tomb, come out. 
because he's mad. And then we go down to verse 44 when Lazarus comes out of the tomb and John does something so special for us. This is the way John writes. He's sort of poetic, he's parabolic, he weaves into the story of history also eternal truths that help us. And in verse 44, you see two things happen to Lazarus that tells us as a picture of what Jesus is going to do for us someday. In verse 44, it says this, The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. There's two things that take place that are really important here. The first one is this. This verse shows us that Jesus has the power to raise us up from the grave. By the sound of his voice, when he says, Lazarus, come out, that is enough power to give life back to Lazarus' dead body and bring him out of the grave. That's great news, that it tells us our God has the power to bring us back to life. But it also shows us one other thing. When Lazarus comes out, his feet are tied, his hands are wrapped, his face is covered. He has grave clothes on. And he says to those around, unbind him so that he can walk away from the tomb. This verse doesn't just tell us that Jesus has the power to raise us from the grave. It also tells us that Jesus has power to release us from the grave. And that's where we come to our scripture reading in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 are really beautiful and powerful when it comes to dealing with death, especially as a Christian. It starts by reminding us that Jesus shares in our flesh and blood. In verse 14, it tells us that he partook in the very same life that we did and do today. Just like us, he had the exact same experience. He walked this life, he faced challenges and difficulties. He knew what it was like to be hungry and tired. He felt the experience of relationships going well and not going well. And he walked all the way through life up to the point and then through death. But his death was different. In our reading, it tells us that his death accomplished two things for us that changed the course of history. And the first one is this. If you look in verse 15, it says it this way, that through his death, he delivers those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Do you remember the picture there that we just saw with Lazarus when he was unbound and then told to walk away? Jesus, through his death, delivers us from the fear of death. Have you ever wondered what makes death so scary? What are we afraid of with death? Well, in my line of work, I've had the unfortunate but privilege an opportunity to be with people near death. And when you spend time with people, you begin to learn that there are things that we're afraid of, and death sort of is like a spiritual smelling salt to make us so keenly aware that our life is not forever here on this earth. And it brings about a certain set of fears for us. We become afraid of things like our past, 
death makes us aware of our regrets, things that we have done that we wish we didn't do, and things that we didn't do that we just really wish we got around to doing. Death makes us afraid of our past. Death makes us afraid of our present. Death convinces us that this life is all we have, that once we hit the grave, it's all over, and this is all we've got. And when that happens, when we believe that, we either live indulgent, meaning this is all I got, I'm gonna live it up, I gotta get everything I can out of this life, or it makes us live timid, meaning this is all I've got, don't mess it up, I can't make one mistake. Either way, if you're living indulgent or timid, you are living in fear. So death doesn't just make us afraid of our past or our present. Death also makes us afraid of our future. Death involves a separation from those that we love, and we're afraid of that for ourselves and for others. Death makes us afraid of the great unknown. We've never been into what happens after death, and we're not sure what it'll be like. But ultimately, death makes us afraid of judgment. We know that we haven't lived up to being the people that we're supposed to be. And there's an underlying fear of standing before judgment, having our lives put on display to be determined if we are acceptable or not. So how does Jesus deliver us from the fear of death? Well, he tells us in verse 14 when he says that he destroyed the one who has the power of death, and that is Satan. Jesus' death doesn't just deliver us from fear. It destroys the one who has power, Satan. Well, what power did he have? Paul tells us this way. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, The sting of death is sin. Sting meaning like the venom in a scorpion sting or the venom in a snake bite. That which is in it that can kill us. The sting of death is our sin. You see, Satan's power was to lure us into a life of sin, giving us all kinds of empty promises that if we just disobey God and live life our way, the way we want to live it, we'll find joy and peace and all the things that we've ever wanted and we end up living disobedient to our maker. That's what the Bible calls sin. And the deadly weapon of death is our sin. To die in sin is to die separated. So the question then becomes, how does Jesus' death destroy the power of the one who controlled death, Satan? How does it do that? Well, if you go back to verse 10 in Hebrews chapter 2, it tells you. Listen to verse 10. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Here he's telling us that God made Jesus the founder of our salvation, the pioneer of our salvation. Or better put, here's the word, the champion of our salvation. The word that the Hebrew writer uses here is the word that was used for a champion fighter. The one who would go out and battle for his people. Think back to the story of David and Goliath. 
Both David and Goliath were the champions of their respected armies. They went out and they were representing the rest of the people in their army. Whoever won, the rest of the army enjoyed the benefits of that victory. That was a champion. And here, Hebrews 2 tells us that Jesus is our champion, our selected fighter who's going to battle for us against our enemies. Do you remember back in John chapter 11? Why was Jesus so angry? Why was he like that snorting bull ready to fight? Because he was standing toe to toe with our enemy, sin and death. And he was our champion and he was ready to fight. But unlike David, Jesus didn't just risk his life, he gave his life. And in doing so, he defeated sin and death. You see, Jesus in his life and then his death took for us the penalty of sin that we deserved. He was sinless, he didn't deserve that, but he stood as a condemned man taking the full wrath of God for all the sin of the world. There is no wrath left, there is no punishment left, there is no sting left in death. He absorbed it all. And because he was sinless, because he was perfect, death couldn't hold on to him because he didn't deserve to die. He deserved to live, and so God raised him back to life. I love how Peter says it in that first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2 when he said that God raised Jesus up, loosing the pang of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. The pang of death that Jesus experienced was not a final pain, it was a freeing pain. Sort of like the pain of giving birth. Just like Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 21 when he said, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour of pain has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the pain for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. Jesus was using that picture of a woman giving birth with his crucifixion, that he was going to experience pain, but it wasn't a final pain. As he walked into death, he took that pain and converted it from a final pain to a freeing pain. It wasn't the pain of final death. It was the birth for our life. He defeated sin by taking all the punishment. He defeated death by raising back to life. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, O oh death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? You read that and you walk away thinking, why is Paul taunting death? He's mocking death in that language. He's doing so because death has no power over him anymore. For the Christian, Jesus shows us in that story in John chapter 11 that it is right and normal to grieve the pain of death here in this life. But at the same time, as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't grieve like the rest of the world. We grieve, but also with a hope. Some of you right now who are watching this are facing death. Or maybe you know somebody you love who is facing death. 
It could be from the coronavirus. It could be from cancer. It could be from heart disease or some horrific accident. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and been obedient to how you unite yourself as one with Christ through the waters of baptism by faith, you no longer have to be afraid of death. You can be grieved by it. You can be saddened over it. But inside of that, you can have hope that you will raise back to life with him, fully forgiven and fully accepted. If you are not a Christian and you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity now to understand who Jesus is, what Jesus did for you, and how that can change your life. You see, you and I can approach our deathbed moment whenever that is, and we can look to the heavens and say, I trust his life of perfection. I trust his death that conquered sin, and I trust his resurrection that overcame the power of the grave, and I am attaching my life eternally to his. And when we do that through the waters of baptism, you and I can look at death, be grieved by its consequence now, but have hope for the future and no longer face fear. If there is anything that we can do to help you in your journey to knowing who Jesus is and learning how to follow him, please contact us. We want to help you take a step towards Jesus or a step further with Jesus so that you can live this life without any fear of death and be ready for eternity.